0: Let's pray before we begin. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day. We know that it's hot, and we know that people come in with burdens and are tired. But we pray, Lord, that we thank you, Lord, that you are above all of that. You have gone before us, and you actually have a word for us today. So we empty ourselves and receive from you alone. We bless you, Lord. We thank you that at any moment, revelation can come. And our lives can actually be changed. So we bless you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. When I was uh, when I was younger, and kind of growing up in the church, I I went to church for youth group and Sunday school. But I was also uh, my dad is from a Hindu background, so we had a religiously interesting upbringing, and what I always wanted to answer the question to myself was, is a life with God actually easier and better than a life without God? See, when you are younger, when I, when I was probably between the ages of 13 and 17 or so, the question that I wanted to answer for myself is, is, is a life with God easier and better, or is it better for me to just live a life without God? And if we are honest with ourselves, we, ask, we answer that question every day. Is God worth it? Is a life with Jesus going to make my life better, or is it not? And to be honest with you, it's not wrong to ask that question, especially when you're younger. I know the youth are here with us today. And so that question is important for you guys to answer. Because you guys don't just come to church and believe in God only because mom and dad say so. Only because you're accustomed to it. You want to know, is a life with Jesus actually worth it? Because guess what? When you guys get older, and when life gets a lot harder than it is for you right now, you will have to answer that question for yourself when mom and dad are not around. I want you guys to be able to answer this question now itself. Is a life with Jesus easier for you? Is it gonna make is it gonna enhance your life or is it not? And you know, the world, when our friends who are not been in church, who don't know the gospel, they're also wondering that same exact question. They look at your life and they're wondering, do I want to be like you or is it better for me to just live the life that I'm living? See, it would be naive to say that before you know the depths of God, it would be naive to say that, oh, we just worship God for God's sake alone. That is true. That's very true. And the more you walk with God, you will know that to be true that you worship God just because he's God. But when we begin in our faith journey, we are actually looking at the benefits of what this God can do for us. And that's okay, because that's how we start. The disciples, when Jesus got into their boat, they had to have that realization as well, right? I was, uh, (laughs) I used to go to, I went to Marshall And right across the street, there's something called the Marshall Freeze. Basically, they had like the unhealthiest snacks of all time there. We used to eat like Fritos and they put chili and cheese in it. You know what that is? It's terrible. (laughs) Much to my childhood obesity. And uh, so anyway, I'll never forget. I was like 13 years old. You know, I knew God when I was a kid. You know, I I definitely did. I don't want to say I didn't. I actually had a relationship with God. But, I mean, the question was, how much did I want to give up my life for this thing? That's always the question. That's always the tension. Okay, I know God, but how much do I want to know him? How much do I want to commit? And I remember I got a drink or something after school, like 2.47, the bell rings. Everyone rushes there. And I had a $5 bill, and so I gave it to the lady and she gave me she gave me twenty five dollars back on accident or something like like she gave me a larger bill on accident as change, and so I took it. I didn't realize it, but I took it and then I walked outside and I saw it, and my friends saw it too, and we kind of smiled. And it's there. You have to ask the question: How much do I want God? Right? How much? How much? How 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 important is my relationship with God? And I remember, you know, all my friends were like, oh, you got $25. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And here's Chubby Rajiv with an existential crisis of what am I supposed to do? See, my friends, you know, and we were poor, by the way. <laughs> the $25, that could buy me a couple weeks. And so my, fr- and my friends are like, you got $25, and here I am. Age 13, you know, it's that 13 to 17 years old, you're deciding, is this worth it? And then with my shoulders down, very much not in a confident way, I went back to the lady and I gave her the change back. And guess what happened? The joy on her face when I did that, because probably that never happened in the history of Marshall Freeze. The joy on her face changed me because I saw someone said Psalm 34 the radiance on her face changed me a little bit because God was speaking to me right then and there so at that moment I started to believe a little bit that maybe it was worth it that a life with Jesus may be a little bit better than a life without him and so today I want to ask you a question, and and actually you guys can turn to one another and answer this question. If somebody came up to you and said, is a life with Jesus easy, what would you say? And Just take one minute to tell each other what you would say. There's no right answer, okay? (laughs) Is a life with God easy? This is the one time you're allowed to talk in church, so, you know, (laughs) go for it. I'm not giving you any context to the question. I'm just asking you. All right. Now, most of you probably said no. <laughs> or, or some of you said yes. It depends on where you're at. Now, now truthfully, truthfully, it takes a while in your walk with God to, to know if it's easier to follow him or bear the consequences of not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes a while to actually understand that. See, if, if the world was so worried about the consequences of not following him, then everybody would have the fear of God immediately, right? But that's not the case. See, most people don't actually think that the consequences of choosing out of a relationship with Jesus is that bad. And so it takes a while to, to get a taste of what it means to experience the fullness of God, and it, Because when you're younger in your faith, the, con- the price to follow Christ might feel too much or it might feel too burdensome so that it would be easier to choose out of it. But when you grow with God, you become really dependent on him so you get really afraid to experience the consequences of not following him. Right? And so I just want to put that as like an overarching thought in your head before we start. Today, I'll, the Holy Spirit dropped two verses for you guys. Three. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And I felt like God had something for us. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read that again because sometimes when you read that the first time, you don't even believe that it's true. So I'm going to read it again. This is Jesus saying come to all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is light, and my burden is light and if we don't understand the fullness of what jesus is saying it's going to be hard for us to believe that when the God of the universe gives you his yoke, gives you his burden, that it's easy, and it's gentle, and it's correct for you, right? On, are you, I, I've read this often in my Christian walk, and it's really hard for me to believe that the yoke that God has for me is easy, gentle, and light, and will bring me to rest. How many of you guys have burdens today? Just by show of hands. So, maybe 100%. And so, it seems like we have this, we have a tension when we have burdens in our life and the transference of those burdens to Jesus. This is a very difficult tension. And so, I want to talk about this. I feel like God has something specific for each of us a tangible and practical way of how we may be giving the Lord our burdens. And there's one very specific Line section that I want to focus on first in verse 28 he's saying everyone who's weary and are carrying heavy burdens I'll give you rest but then in 29 he says take my yoke upon you so the way that you are to have rest is by coming with your burdens and then inheriting another one by Jesus this is strange isn't it that in order for you to experience rest, he's going to give you another burden. Now, the way that our human brains work and the way that humans are wired to relieve ourselves of burdens, especially the controlling ones like me, are to have people take stuff off of our plate. Like Lydia and I, you know, we're married, couple. And the way that we relieve each other's burdens like at the beginning of the week is you take care of X, Y, and Z. I'll take care of X, Y, and Z, right? So what, what we think of relieving of burdens is redistributing everything that's on our plate, on our task list, on the things that we have to do. That is our conception of giving up burdens so that when we come to God, we would like God to say, Rajiv, I'll take care of eight of those things on your to-do list. You just focus on the two. Wouldn't that be great? He was like our COO. He just like did, he just made our life easier. He was our righteous administrator. He was our project manager. We come up with 10 things, I only have to do 2. God, you take 8. That means ah, oh, wow, what a relief. Guess what? Whenever we think that life works that way, we never find relief or satisfaction. And especially with God. There is a misconception in our faith journey, that the way that God takes our burdens is just by him taking over the majority of our to-do lists. And then giving us some menial tasks to do. And then we call it partnership. And that's not actually biblical partnership. That's not the divine life of God that he wants to give us. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah? Do you resonate with that? Do you, do you admit today that that's how you want your burdens relieved for God to God to take things off your plate and the 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 interesting thing about what Jesus is saying is he's not even necessarily addressing your burdens in this text come to me all ye that are burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you (laughs) take my yoke upon you You mean that when I am burdened, I will have to take something more from you. And see, this is oftentimes the Christian will come into this space where it feels just like this. That you will be fully burdened and then God will give you something else to do. Or he will give you a deeper burden. He'll give you an additional thing that he wants you to take care of. And what do you do? You start to resent him. You start to get upset. You start to resent your family. Here's another thing that I have to do. There's no way that I'm going to do this. I cannot do this, right? That's the way it works. And so we get rest actually by taking on his yoke. And so today I want to talk a little bit about this yoke. Now in, um, in an agricultural sense... And in a farming sense, a yoke obviously is is a wooden a wooden thing, basically that uh, a harness, right? That's used by oxen and other animals to ease the work of doing something, hauling a load, right? And it was it was also meant as a designation of servitude, and carrying the burden of a task. So you would have a yoke, you would have two oxen. The stronger oxen would be yoked to the weaker one so that he, the stronger oxen will direct the workload and make it easier for the younger oxen or the weaker oxen, right? And this is very important because when we take on the yoke of Christ, he's basically saying, I want to yoke myself to you So that I can not only do the heavy lifting, but I can direct you. That I can actually take you where I want to go. He's the one lifting with you. And he's also the farmer that's directing the direction of where you should go. And I wonder if you guys have actually felt what that feels like. This partnership with God where he is carrying the load and you are working with him, but in submission to him. This is a very different type of workload that America or the world will actually glorify. The first, we, in my family, there's, there's a B word. We, there's a B word, but it's not the word that you think it is. <laughs> we don't use the word busy. Because everybody, when you talk to somebody, the first thing they tell you is how busy they are. I don't actually care how busy you are. I didn't say, how are you, to, so that you can tell me how busy you are. I actually think that's very disrespectful. Because if you want to be present to people, it doesn't matter how busy you are. And sometimes I do that unconsciously. I don't want to be a person that's busy. And so whenever we feel like we're too busy in that sense, you know, of course we're all busy. But what I'm trying to say is, when we think we're too busy, that means that we're, not being, we're being yoked to something else. We're not actually yoked to the Holy Spirit. We're not actually yoked to Jesus, who says that his burden is light. I have to hold him to what he says. He's telling me, Rajiv, my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Come to me with your burdens. I have to believe what he says, yeah? So those of us with burdens today Let's see what God is telling us. When we come with our burdens and he gives us our yoke, it, he gives us his yoke, what tends to happen first is it exposes everything that we are yoked to in that moment. When we are burdened with our work, for example, maybe your vocation or the thing that God has called you to for the majority of your week. For some of us, that is our jobs, right? And when we feel overburdened by that and when we bring it to God and we can't find, we can't find resolution or we can't find relief, I want to suggest to us today that it might be because we're more plugged into something else we are more connected and yoked to something else than to Jesus. That doesn't mean that I'm saying that everything is hard should be easy. That's not what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that that you're not going to be overwhelmed or stressed out. It just means that it's an opportunity to find out what are you plugged into. What are you more afraid of? When Lydia and I own... Uh, uh, a few Montessori schools and we have staff and we have parents and children that we're managing 24 hours a day. And when we are the most burdened, when we are the most frightened, <laughs> when things are collapsing, no matter, what I'm, no matter what, it's because I'm more yoked to the fear of failure, the fear of parents the fear of looking like a failure. The fear of the fact that we're probably not as qualified as we should be. The fear of the people that we rent from. <laughs> the, whatever the fears of, I'm more yoked to that in that moment than I am to Jesus. And that's okay. We're not asking you to be more than human right now. But we're saying that. Jesus has a yoke to give you that can replace that yoke. And what happens is, what I find in prayer, is that when I go to him, I have to wait until he gives me his yoke, he gives me his mission, he gives me his authority, his perspective, so that all the other yokes can be broken. So that I am now surrendered to him, He doesn't dismiss my burdens. He will never dismiss even the smallest burden. But the way that he does it will be remarkably different. And we'll get into that later. Okay? When you take on the yoke of Jesus, all the burdens that you have come under it. It's included in his yoke. It's not like he says, that's not important, just take my yoke. No, it's included. The laundry list that you have, the crisis that you are going through is inclusive in his yoke. It will be taken care of, but you have to take it on his way so that he can now take care of the ship. He will direct you. Amen? So many of us carry burdens and we don't actually know how to surre- we don't actually know how to surrender them so i think this is where things may feel abstract because instinctively as christians we know that when something is overwhelming or something is very difficult instinctively we know yes this is this is for god to handle let's go to god in prayer but i think I felt like today that there's some of us that even though that is true, we don't actually experience the relief of the burden, right? You, can, you might be praying over and over again about this thing, yet you still feel the knot, the not that's there. You don't, you don't actually, you've never actually experienced relief. And part of that is maybe your upbringing, how you're wired, how you, how you actually handle anxiety. Those are real. It's not new age, those are real things. Anxiety, All those things are completely normal and they happen. I feel like God wants more for us though. See, stress and anxiety for me, like I have a song. I say my biggest sin is anxiety. I, I literally struggle so much to the point where it affects my sleep. It affects everything. But God has more for me. He has more for you. You don't have to live like that. Jesus came so that he can take all of that and your life will be easy. I don't want to define what easy is because that could, we don't have time for that today. But there is ease for you. (laughs) Do you want it or do you not? There is an ease for you, okay? And here's the other thing that I've neglected in this scripture Come to me, all ye that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And learn from me. That means that part of relieving your burden, part of you experiencing peace, is that you're required to learn from the master teacher. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have God as a provider and a doer. I don't really want to learn the lesson. I don't really care to be changed. Just handle my crisis. Right? Handle my crisis. Some of us, our relationship with God is like this. It's one crisis, and God, by his mercy, absolute dedicated love to you, handles it for you. And then you move on to point point B and that's your next crisis and God and his absolute love and dedication to you handles that crisis and then it's the third and it's just crisis to crisis to crisis and he keeps handling it but you haven't gone like this you're just still like this and this is the problem when God teaches us he expects us to also improve by him By him. In him. You are supposed to be a better version than you were at the last crisis. Correct? We are not just going from one crisis and then he delivers us again and then he delivers us again. You're not maturing. You're actually not becoming like him. And we actually won't even know. You won't even know if you're actually a Christian. You won't even know the benefits of being Christian. You will think that Christianity is just being rescued from one thing to the next to the next to the next. And you will never mature. Christianity, Jesus demands that you become the greatest version of yourself through him, by him, and in him. And in order to experience rest, you have to learn. If you don't learn, then he's just rescuing you, rescuing you, rescuing you, and you're becoming worse. You know, I don't actually believe that our lives go like this. I don't even believe in being stagnant. I believe in deteriorating or increasing. It's like one of the... Just from what I've seen, I don't believe in stagnation. I believe you're going this way or you're going that way. And I want you to know today, for some of us, I just feel like that's a word for you, that Jesus is saying, I want you to go from strength to strength to strength. I want, when you go through something, I want you to learn from me through that. So that the next time you go through something similar, you're already elevated. You're not the same person that you were when you first learned that mistake. The other, uh, yesterday, or or on Friday, Simone and Soleil, uh, this fake money kit, or it's like a, I don't know, it's just fake money. I was like, why do we have fake money in the living room? And I guess my dad, because he's the only one who gives things to them that are sometimes useless, sometimes useful, he brought it in a bag, and it's sitting there on the table. And I'm the type of guy for better or for worse, like everything's kind of a lesson for me. <laughs> I'm going to take anything I see, everything I see, and it's going to become a lesson. My kids are going to appreciate me for that. They're also not going to appreciate me for that. So they have a problem. They like this place called Target. Any of you have this problem? Okay, so this problem was inherited by their mother, who loves Target as well. <laughs> I like Target too. And so, what happened is, every time we go to Target, they always ask us, "Can we go to Target?" Because they think that any they think that when they walk down the aisles, it's it's like creativity for them. We can get one of this and we can get one of that, and they can combine it all together. They think that every time we go to Target, they're going to get something. And that's partially my fault, because for Christmas, I told them that I will take them to Target, and they can each pick, you know, three things or something. And so now that's in their head. So I took this fake money, and I said, we're going to have a lesson. We took the fake money out. I gave each of them $50. $50, $50, and in Soleil's words, some coins too. So they got coins and they have, they have bills. And we said, hey guys, I want to teach you about monies, because they call it monies. We are going, this is, this is what you have for the week. How much do you think it costs when, you want, when we want to eat food? And basically, we went through everything. Food, uh, whatever the things they like, you know, clothes. And all of a sudden, within three minutes, they found out that they no longer had money. <laughs> and to their shock, they said, What do we do? And they've underst- I explained to them that this is a finite resource, that we don't, just because mommy and daddy provide for you, we don't just get anything we see. Everything has value attached. And I couldn't believe it, they understood it. I couldn't believe it. Like Soleil had a lot of questions, but we can get more monies. And then Simone was like, no, but that's not how it works, Soleil, you know. In their own way, they figured it out. And here's the thing, when I teach my kids something, it's not so that they can be more independent from me. It's not so now they can go earn their own money. That, that's not my intention when I teach my kids. It's not so that, hey, now I've taught you, right? Now go do your own thing. No. It's so that next time we're at Target, next time we're at Target, they will have a frame of reference for what's in daddy and mommy's heart. So that it's not like we just get whatever is shiny, we, we don't just take whatever is good, but actually these things have value. And so maybe the way I ask mommy and daddy about something is different. I think that we don't actually like to be taught by Jesus because we think that if we actually learn that now the accountability is on us and that he won't be there in the same intimate way with us for the next thing. I know that sounds a little complicated. I actually think that. I think that we are afraid to grow. We are afraid to learn fully from God because we think it means that he will hold our hand less the next time. I want to say to you, he'll actually, it'll actually feel like he's holding your hand even tighter because you will be a developed version of yourself. You will have ingested him. You will have digested him in a different way so that when you're in your next crisis, you will have learned from your first crisis and you will experience the peace that he's talking about. Without that, you will be an immature version of yourself. And again, in my opinion, you might even be a more deteriorated version of yourself because it's not like this. It's either this or that. And so I want to suggest to you that the Jesus as a teacher, remember he was called rabbi, and every time he taught there were signs and wonders. It's very like, it's like the teaching went hand in hand with the miracles, with the works. The love, grace, excellence, teaching, miracles, it all came with the package. And if you neglect being taught by God, you will neglect something so precious that he wants to deposit in you and you have to ask yourself today have you ever considered even wanting to be taught by the holy spirit do you want to do you, you do want him to teach me his ways not just i just want him to do something for me or i just want him to get me out of this situation and then I'll come say a testimony about it That's the the real testimony is actually what's happening in the internal formation. That's the thing that outlasts your situation. Do you know your internal formation outlasts the miracles that you experience in this world? The miracles are just for this world. One day we're not going to need miracles. One day we won't even need faith. Oh, I don't even know what that would feel like. One day, one day when we see him, will, I believe, continue in eternity. Anyway, that's not for today. We can be better equipped at Target. (laughs) You know, when, when you walk through your next Target, you will know what your Heavenly Father is thinking. So that whenever you're at your next place, you will know. You will know what's in his head. I'm, I'm saying this in real time. So I'm saying things carefully because nothing is resolved. But this week was really one of the hardest weeks in Lydia and I's 10 years of marriage. Nothing to do with us. We're good. It's just the severity of a lot of things. We just started our new school at Lake Avenue Church. And it was just, uh, it started on Monday, and Simone is actually a part of that uh, class. Um, And it's a great miracle. But every day this week, I questioned if we made the wrong decision. Like every day, I was like, maybe I heard wrong. I think this was the stupidest thing we've done. And every day, Lydia asked the same question. And then she asked that question of me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what happened was, God, I knew that Jesus says that his yoke is easier. His yoke is better. And so I, was, I every day I prayed in out of habit. I'll be honest, it was out of habit versus out of, uh, I don't know how to say it, versus like, out of habit, I just do what I do, and I had nothing, nothing, it was like I was talking to the wind, you know, it's like I was talking to the wind, until I realized that, that this Rajiv and this Lydia have to be a better version than the years before, right, just by like Just by faith. I think we're better than we were before. I think we're stronger, and I think that God has something for us. All of a sudden, that faith popped up like a seed. And then I prayed. Okay, what? What do you want? What do you want from me? What am I doing wrong? Do you want me to take an inventory of my sin? Do you want, you know, all the things that we do? (laughs) if i'm the only one okay you guys are better off than me but it's like am i like what is off here and he just very gently didn't give me a scripture as such he said write down every time you were in this crisis only with regard to the school not all your crises we don't have all day just with regard to this business bridge montessori just write it down i texted it in 40 seconds there were 15 times in the last six years that we've been here before. Fif- uh, sorry, 13. Seven of those times were more dire than where we are right now. So, even statistically, we don't even need faith for this one. Just from a statistic standpoint, like, we're good. And he said, now read each one of them. Read it. Like, read it. Enjoy the language that you put down on paper. Read it. Digest. Ingest. Chew the words. Chew the words. Remember when this happened before Simone was born? Before remember when you were sitting here and God said 695 West Sierra Madre Boulevard? I mean, that's like a movie. Remember uh, you were you had no school, you had nothing, and that's the address that you're in. That's one of that's just one. There were like 15 of those. There were 13 of those. Because what God did was He taught me that when you're going through this, you need to remember. The word was remember. How many times in scripture does David say, talk about remembrance? How many times does Jesus say, don't you remember when I already did this? When he fed the 5,000? Why are you talking about bread? How many times does remembrance, is an actual spiritual offering of worship, is remembrance? And then I started remembering. Then I started reading it out loud. And then I started praying in the spirit. And then I passed through that the four days of being stuck. Because what happened was, I was asking God to relieve my burden, but he said, Rajiv, I want to teach you first. I am going to give you my yoke, but you're yoked to, to way too many other things. You're tied to too many things. You're too worried about failing. You're too worried about how that church is going to see you. You're too worried about how parents are going to see you. You're too worried about... Um, Every, there's other things, things that I can't even remember, but you're too worried about those things. Take my yoke. I am the one that gave you this place. I am the p- one that gave you that space. And I don't want to sit here and start declaring like success and all that, because success is not always tied to the God thing. So just because something's successful doesn't mean it's a God thing. Go ask the world what success has done for some of them. Okay, so I'm not talking about success. I'm just talking about the peace of God that's greater than any success you can ever have. Ever. I will... you. The peace of God is so beautiful that there is nothing that can trump the peace that God can give you in the midst of your storm. When I realized that Jesus wanted to teach me, see, it says again... Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's not, he did not say, give me the list of your burdens and I'll see what I can do. It's hard for me. You know, my love language is like help. Is that a love language? Yes. It is, right? Okay. The, my, like, I don't need your words. Like, honestly, like, I don't, and it took me, like, me and Lydia a while to even figure this out for ourselves. I don't need your words. I don't need your touch. I don't, you know, whatever the other things they list. I do. I do. I do. I feel loved by all of that. I just need help. (laughs) I'm a guy who just, if I can get your help with something, like, you pick me up from the airport, you, like, help my kids up the stairs, I feel the divine love of God. It's weird. Maybe because I'm a doer, right? So doers like help because it helps you do more. (laughs) And it helps you get your agenda across in a good way. (laughs) Right? So... Um, so this is, this is hard for me because I cannot relate to God like that. I cannot say, even though he is our, as he is our help, I cannot approach him in a way that says, I will only experience your peace. If you take my action items, I can't do that with God. He's God. He can take my action items and throw them down the toilet if he wants He can take all the things that I think are pressingly important and he can say, Rajiv, I have something more urgent for you today. Are you willing to be people that when you are burdened, you know that those burdens are important to God, but that they will be consumed by him in his way? Are you willing today to say every burden that's on my heart, even burdens given to me by him, must be under his yoke? So that you and him can actually start dancing together. The, the divine dance on this earth, if we may experience it, is so beautiful. When you start to work with God, when you start to work with the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. You will be people of peace. You will not hurry. You will not be hurried. Again, I don't want my words to fail me. That doesn't mean you won't work really hard. (laughs) That doesn't mean that you won't uh, be stressed. That doesn't mean that you won't be overwhelmed. But you will experience ease in whatever that means for you today. And however God is telling you, your life is going to be easier. Easy. Receive it. Okay? Some of us need to take on a certain responsibility to just be better. Okay? Like, just better in in what God expects of you in your journey, in in the next thing. When he has done something for you, take time and be grateful for what he has done and allow that to inform your inner life. Allow that to stay in that moment and allow that to teach you so that you can now become a different person and a better person. See, it would be crazy and so hypocritical, like for my kids to see their dad behave a certain way and then God God helps him, God helps their dad, and then the next time he behaves the same way when he goes through the same exact thing. Like, that's like really hypocritical, right? I don't want to be that guy. I don't think you should be that person either. You should be the next time, those f- watching you should see a different response from you, a slightly different response from you. Let's just start there. <laughs> okay, let's just go a little bit different. Oh, like he's not, he or she is not as stressed or worried this next time. Yeah? Let's just think about that. Okay. When we are in crisis, Jesus will take your burdens. He will give you a new yoke. He will almost give you a new calling. When I wrote those 13 things down of what God has delivered us from, He didn't. I didn't focus on just the burden alone, although that was very important. Because I don't want to pretend that you just start floating on air and you become a... a a Jedi that doesn't care anymore, because that's not true, you will care for that burden, but you will care for that burden with almost a new calling, a new calling. So in that moment, what God did for me personally is he reminded me of what we are actually doing at this school. So it removed me from all the... All the details that I was consumed with, with all the people that were letting us down, with all my own insecurities, with all my own fear, he removed me from that and he actually said, this is what I am doing for my name's sake. See, it's amazing when you know that God does something for his name's sake quite apart from yours. That doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want and he'll just still bless something. No. But it means that he is concerned for his name's sake. Even Psalm 23 says that, right? He leads me down righteous paths for his name's sake. Verse 3. So, Jesus wants to teach us. First he wants to give us a new yoke. Then he wants to teach us. And in that process, we will be unhitched from Inferior and invalid and terrible and evil yokes that we shouldn't have. If you think about it, even when Paul says don't be unequally yoked, right? Don't be unequally yoked with non-believers. Even uh, in the law of Moses, what happens is you can't yoke two different animals together because they each have different agendas and they'll end up fighting with each other when, they, when you want to like, uh, farm, Right? Sorry, I'm not Agriculture is not my strong sister. <laughs> but <laughs> I get the analogy, though. <laughs> so like two animals will probably cancel each other out, right? So in the same way, in the same way, that's why Jesus wants to be yoked with you, so He can lead you. You find, even in marriage, even when you are equally yoked. You find that you get married, but there's so many places in your life that are so different. One person is this way, the other person's that way. And I wouldn't call that unequally yoked. I would just call it being human and being married. But even in those places, you have to find a way to go the same direction, even when two people are completely different. So imagine, so for those of you that are single and that are looking for marriage... Imagine being unequally yoked on a, on a, on a basic scale, on a, on, a, on a more normal scale. Don't do it. It's a complete waste of your time. Don't do it. Yeah. Be equally yoked. You will have two life agendas with the person that you love the most. It's not worth it. Just be in love with someone that has the same agenda in mind. Marriage is already hard. Don't make it. Impossible, you know. <laughs> All right, enough. We're gonna end. We're gonna end on in Psalm 81, and here's the last piece of being relieved of your burden, Psalm 81. We'll just read six through sixteen. Psalm 81, 6-16. through 16. Here it is again. When God is appealing to Israel's stubbornness. I relieved your shoulder of burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I rescued you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. We can talk so much about the waters of Meribah and the significance, but not Today. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my way, quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their doom would last forever. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. You know that song? When that first came out, I was like, that's not even in the Bible. (laughs) I was so cynical. And then I saw it here. It's like, sorry, Brooke Fraser. So that, that, I want you to focus on this word. Satisfy. So I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. I would satisfy you. And when we're thinking about God relieving Israel of the burden... Verse 10 says, open your mouth wide and I will have our mouths open wide because our soul needs satisfaction. Do you guys want to be satisfied? Do you know what satisfaction feels like? Like the, I just did the Walt Disney like four weeks ago. And, you know, it wasn't perfect by any measure. It was good though. It was good. I felt satisfied that is a really cool feeling like i drove home alone that night because lydia took the kids in the other car and i i drove satisfied not because it was perfect it wasn't i felt satisfaction like this honey from the rock song or this song and i want to tell you something easy to be filled up on things that don't satisfy you, right? It's satiation, I guess. It's easy to just be by things, but not actually feel satisfaction. And I felt like God said the third thing for you guys is satisfaction. Part of taking on the yoke of Christ, part of experiencing the... We we went on a cruise last week um, for my dad's 75th birthday, and it was also celebrating Lydia and I's 10th anniversary. It was really fun, but it was really tiring. Um, Now, I have an issue with the buffets, though, (laughs) because you can't take a Sri Lankan person to a buffet. to have everything. But that's going to not only make you not satisfied, it's gonna make you sick. First two or three days, I was struggling cause I don't like eating unhealthy and I need to not eat a lot. So I was eating a lot and I was eating unhealthy. <laughs> is that the more you try, the more you will be satisfied or the happier you'll be or whatever, you know? And it's vacation, so just do whatever you want. You just performed in the Disney concert hall, relax, right? And by the end of day two, I was like, something needs to change (laughs) because we got six more of these days. Something needs to change. Something small. I didn't share it with anyone. I was just thinking in my head. I went and worked out one morning, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and what I did was I literally just ate what I was craving, like what I wanted, not what I think I was supposed to have because that's what the cruise ship said I should have. See what I'm saying? Because you can. there's a buffet, but the sit-down dinners are a buffet too because you can keep ordering whatever you want. And so I sat down and I was like, what do I actually want? Not what is available to me. What do I actually want? So even though for breakfast, you could have like coconut pancakes and Belgian waffles and all this kind of stuff. Honestly, I wanted Ceylon milk tea, fruit and oatmeal. And so I just ate that. (laughs) And guess what? I felt amazing. I felt good. Then I, I actually ate other things, but in during the course of the day, but I just focused on what I wanted, what I was, what would satisfy me versus what was available. Now, the problem with our culture today, with in terms of voices, you guys have the podcast app. You know, the on Apple, I don't know what it is on Droid or whatever, but it's like a podcast app. I have it. Everybody has a podcast. I don't know how we had so many experts, but everybody has a podcast and everybody wants to tell you their opinion. And we think that we will become wiser if we take in all that excess information and that we could somehow match it with some scripture and now we have a worldview. I want to tell you, this is, you'll never be satisfied. It will just be a buffet. But it's actually not designed for you. It's just a buffet. I think we have been tricked to understanding that the internet, the, all the information that's available to us, is actually going to make us better. You're just eating at a buffet, it's not fine dining. Fine dining only comes from the Holy Spirit. You could actually turn, you could actually throw. By the way, I didn't use my phone for eight days. It's amazing. I wanted to throw it off the boat, to be very honest with you. But, and I was downloaded more things from God. I had more creative space. I had more things going on for me because I didn't have the buffet, I had the fine dining experience. And I feel like God is saying, when he wants to relieve your burden, he wants to hear from you. But you got to dump out all that extra noise. And it's from well-meaning places. It's from inspirational spaces. Those things are good. I value them. I value advice from people. You know, I don't just, I don't just like go to God and then do something. I get advice from people that i trust that's really really good but do you know why i really really value people's advice because i really really value god's advice the only way you can actually receive from someone the right way is if you first and foremost receive from god if you don't people will confuse you nobody confuses me i'll be very honest with you that could come off really arrogant but your words don't confuse me they will either affirm what i'm saying or they will make me prove you wrong I hope you're okay with that. Because people should people's words that you're putting in should inspire you and make you want to be more like what Jesus is already doing in you, or you should just turn them off. Including all the extra sermons y'all listen to from Monday through Saturday. People tell me that, oh, I was listening to this sermon while I was running on the treadmill. Good. But how many do you need? And why are you listening to that? Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm just asking you, why? For lack of what? Is it because you're not hearing from God? Is it because you're not secure in the honey from the rock? Because once you're satisfied, it doesn't matter if there's a buffet. You're done. You're done. I don't need a, a master class anymore that somebody's offering for $4,000 a year. <laughs> Those are exist. Trust me. Even from people I like, I don't need a master class. I got like the Holy Spirit. And then you start to you start to actually appreciate people's words because it's in line with what God has been feeding you. Because you're looking for satisfaction, not just not just temporary nutrition, temporary food, not for junk. I want us to go for satisfaction. And when your soul, your body even, and your spirit are not satisfied, use that to your advantage. You want to be satisfied. Don't be dissatisfied in this. Don't, don't settle for not being satisfied. Don't you want to be satisfied? Right? Do not, be, do not settle for dissatisfaction. You know the famous double negative, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> It's not real English, but that's what he said. And it feels, it's true. Today, we are going to start eating based on what we really want and not what's just available to us. That is what the Holy Spirit wants for each of you. As he teaches you, as he uh, gives you his yoke, there's, we want financial advice from Prevalent Info. We want Redfin and everybody else to tell us about the housing market. We want the buff guy on Instagram to tell us how to eat. Industry experts time and time again will fill you with their information. And to be honest, one word from the mouth of God can trump all of that. And today I want us to make that primary and everything else secondary. Secondary. The last funny piece of input that I wanted to tell you was one of my dad's friends came along with us to the cruise, this couple. And every day we would have fine dining at nighttime and they would bring out the dessert menu. And, you know, we all, you know, we pick, we choose. And then this one auntie, she tried something from night one. And nothing else was as good. It was like this bread pudding. It was so good. If you like bread pudding, it was amazing. And on day three, four, five, she said, I don't see this on the menu, but I want the bread pudding. Whereas all of us, we were just like, give us two of this, three, you know what I mean? Like, but she was like, no, no, no. I tried something I really like." And the waiter on day, day three he was like, yes, ma'am, I'll get it for you. I was like, well, she opened up the door. You mean I could guess something that's not, like, on this menu sheet? She opened up the door, didn't tell me twice. I got bread pudding with her. And it was just interesting that, that child, like, give me something else. I don't want this. It's what you're giving me. Give me something else. The Holy Spirit's going to give you something else. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this time. Thank you, God, that you are a God who wants to relieve our burden, but you want to teach us right now. You want to give us your yoke, you want to teach us, and you want to satisfy us. Absolute satisfaction. Not partial satisfaction, not you plus other things, but you. Come, Holy Spirit, in this moment, for those of us that are struggling, burdens that we can't even put our words to, in Jesus' name, we ask for your yoke right now. For those of you that just want his yoke, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, you want his burden for your life, his yoke, pray for you guys. Come Holy Spirit, we ask for your yoke right now. Come, input yourself, your very presence in my friends right now, in Jesus' name. For those of you who want to be taught by God, that you want to actually be Raise your hand right now. we just pray for you. Come, Holy Spirit. We want you to teach my friends here how to learn from you so that we can go from strength to strength. And from those of you that desire satisfaction, the word satisfaction, perhaps you never thought of it that way, but you want to be satisfied. Not just filled up, but satisfied so that when we we'll open our mouths wide, God will satisfy us. We will feel fulfillment in our life again. Every day will be fulfilled right now. It won't be happy or sad, or we won't always just feel restful, especially those of you that are parents. But you will be satisfied. If that's you, just raise your hand. You want satisfaction from the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. More satisfaction right now in Jesus' name. Train us and teach us. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray.